Welcome to the Scott Shepard Podcast. I am a man on a mission to create an army of independent writers, creators, and thinkers who make a hell of a living doing what they love. And it all starts with one thing, and that is doing things the old way, the hard way, the deliberate way, the anti-net way. Listen in as I share thoughts and rants of what goes on behind the scenes as I create an independent knowledge empire where I get to spend my days doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. Hey, what's up, friend? Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Scott Shepherd. Today's episode is number 202. Yes, 202. That is 202 days in a row that I've been publishing and shipping something out every single day. It started with a writing piece, a daily writing piece that I have yet to uh, port over to the public uh, realm and publish on my website. And then it transitioned into creating these podcasts, which were essentially just streams of consciousness as a joke. I mean, quite frankly, I freaking started the first several episodes just shooting straight from the gut, straight from the hip, and like quite literally talked about everything from, well, like copywriting, mass persuasion, to literally dating a stripper. And well, we're going to continue on this circuitous, wonderful, odd journey together into episode 202. And today's episode is coming to you straight from Little Italy, San Diego, California, on a Monday at 6.55 post-meridium. And what I've been doing lately, and the verdict is still out if we are going to continue to do this, but I am testing various show formats and various formats and modes in which I publish something every single day. And it's a tricky Venn diagram that you have to get just right. Because on one hand, it's tempting to just produce and ship out what you are the best at, which for me at least is copywriting and producing content in the written form. I've gotten better, certainly, in the spoken word form, and hell, it's quite enjoyable, honestly. You don't expend as many brain cycles as you normally would when you're trying to prepare a piece for uh, writing, and for the majority of the day, I spend my time doing just that, meaning spending a lot of time investing brain cycles in crafting deep thoughts and copy and writing. And I don't want to experience burnout by forcing myself to ship every single day and spend the brain cycles on doing exactly that. I would rather give you the tidbits and the actual valuable content that I am in the midst of working on and give it to you in the spoken format because I enjoy it, and I think you will get a lot of value out of it as well, because most of the content you hear out there 
in the podcast world is just a bunch of jerk offs, verbal diarying in dialogue across <laughs> a desk to one another, talking about their latest book or whatever project they are working on. This format, on the other hand, is going to be more like a more entertaining version of Audible, wherein you will hear snippets of content delivered to you every single day that are so good that they are going to end up for probably about 96% of the time or cases. And you know, look, don't hold me to that because, well, quite frankly, I don't want you to believe anything I say. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but seriously, no. Uh, but I foresee at least 80% to 96% of the content that I share ending up in some publication that I create, like a book or who knows, but something wherein I will at least be able to pay to keep the lights on and donate every single bit of profit to causes that are underfunded and that ought to be funded more. Things like, well, the Nicholas Lumen Digital Archive Project and that nonprofit organization. I intend to donate the funds and profit to that. And hell, I think more of the Earth's and humanity's resources need to be devoted to becoming a multiplanetary species and getting on the SpaceX train and helping Elon Musk in whatever way imaginable to get to Mars. And even on Jeff Bezos investing in space exploration, and that's the new frontier. So anyway, I'm not a charity. I need to actually produce and create and, well, donate to causes that I believe in. So that is why also that if I, well, you know, quite frankly, if I publish this work, I will likely just make the digital version as freely available and widely accessible as possible. And, you know, if, if I ruled the world, then if a publisher had an issue with that, then they can go fuck themselves. But I would at least like to get the content, the material into the hands of the people that I could help. And for the additional formats, for the additional uh, types of involvement, engagement, and tools, and blah, 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 physical stuff, then yeah, sure, there will be a price tag. Um, so with that meandering prelude, I'm going to jump into what I started yesterday, which was laying out for you the cold hard truth that if Lumen were alive today, there is no way of knowing whether he would be fully analog. But we can tell from signs of his keyword index in which he experimented with implementing it in a typewritten format that he may have played around with a hybrid digital format of his anti-net. And if you're 
just tuning in, Antinet is the preferred term for note card box or a a note card tree-like structure that has fixed IDs assigned to every single card wherein they can be linked. And Antinet is the working title and the acronym means either an analog thinking internet or an analog tree an analog note card tree idea network <laughs> you, you, you choose but the bottom line is it focuses on analog knowledge management note taking building your mind and creating genius level work so let's jump into it you see in brief it's feasible to imagine that lumen would use digital tools today for certain aspects of his anti-net, or at least experiment with digital tools. And the key point is that he would only use the non-critical aspects digitally, meaning the non-critical aspects in the creation of thought, the development of thought. The ability to think on paper with your hand is something that digital will never replace, period. End of story. Things which could be ported to digital without the major implications on negatively affecting one's anti-net actually becoming a second mind, almost like a second doppelganger in your head. Uh, that and those tools, those aspects of your anti-net are, number one, the index, and number two, the bibliography. Meaning, it's feasible that you could still create a second mind with also having a digital index and a digital bibliography. Yet, the trade-offs are not yet known. And speaking on behalf of myself and my own anti-net, which I've named him Stewie, a.k.a. my doppelganger, and what's interesting is Lumen referred to his anti-net as a sort of doppelganger, a, a communication partner, and naturally he used that term and maybe not even in the word and meaning that we English-speaking Americans use to use it in a, well, joco-serious form of referring to an evil twin. <laughs> but with my Antinet, a.k.a. Stewie, I use an analog index and, of course, an analog main anti-net note card tree. But I do use a digital bibliography. And I do not foresee, at least, moving from my analog index to the digital index. But I could foresee shifting from the digital bibliography and testing out the analog 
version of a bibliography. But let me tell you why that I do not foresee ever switching from an analog index, which is you know your way of navigating your own mind and your your own map. It's your it's basically an index organized by you know al- alphanumeric characters and allows you to navigate your tree, your mind tree, your tree of thoughts. And I don't foresee myself moving from analog to digital for my index for two reasons. The first reason is that, well, it's a pain in the ass already to have to navigate back and forth between a computer for my bibliography items and my antinet. Plus, from a metaphysical aspect, there's this inner Zen part of me that just would gain more peace of mind knowing that everything is in my antinet, my one mass structure of four by six inch boxes compiled and piled on top of each other. And well, the Zen part of me intends to experiment with the analog bibliography as it may force me to actually slow down and take my time to deeply gain familiarity with a text and a book because you actually have to invest in writing down and getting familiar with all the details required to create a bibliography for it. And I think that this is an interesting aspect opposed to just hopping around the web and using Zotero, which is a reference manager um, and browser extensions to just basically become a hyperactive archive refing machine that you know archives way too many things that you'll never read i mean we already do enough of that in life so let me back up and tell you why even i elected to use a digital bibliography in the first place you see it stems from how i learned zettelkasten in the first place which quite frankly it started with trying to go to the main website, I believe it's zettelkasten.de, and I tried to follow their instructions and information on Zettelkasten, and it was, quite frankly, piss poor. And even now, now that I even know what Zettelkasten is, I go back and I'm like, it's just, I just it's disheartening to, to know that not only are so many people being instructed in a confusing manner, but they are also being instructed in a completely wrong manner that is not even Zettelkasten. Well, it, it is not Zettelkasten in the sense that it'll not create a second mind for you to come up with genius level, level insights. It is essentially his instructions and information are instructions for how to create yet another repository of digital files that you'll forget about, you know, in a week from now. So the reason that I use a digital bibliography in the first place Hey, Scott Shepard here. Real quick, this podcast is sponsored by me. Yes, me, Sir Scott of Shepard. 
I am committed to never shilling some dildo hipster crappy freaking product like all the other podcasters do. All right? My only ask, however, is that you spend 10 seconds right now. Literally pull to the side of the freaking road, the freeway. Stop. (laughs) Rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. This will help me spread my movement. You see, I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days writing and creating using analog tools while making multiple six figures if they even need to, and more importantly, building a tribe of people that they were called to build, okay? And I want you to rate and review this podcast because it will directly help me in this mission. That's all I ask. All right, now back to the regularly scheduled program. Peace. Is that I learned Zettelkasten from the said website, but also I mainly learned it when I began reading... Sanke Ahrens' book, How to Take Smart Notes, which essentially is not Zettelkasten, but is more of an Arensian denomination of note-taking, kind of like how the Mormons created an offshoot of, well, Christianity, which created an offshoot, if it was, of essentially some evangelical branch of Christianity, which created an off was an offshoot of Protestant, which is an offshoot of Catholic, which isn't, you know, essentially an offshoot of, well, the early 100 years of Christianity, which was unknown and kind of ambiguous. And which was then, of course, an offshoot of Judaism. So think of Sanke Arens almost like (laughs) <laughs> the Mormons. <laughs> and I, I hate, you know, I'm, I don't mean to deride him too harshly because his book is at least 50 to 80% of it is great. Okay. And he meant well. But it's essentially like saying that Mormons are Jews. And that is not the case. What Arens believes and what he cited as Zettelkasten is the Latter-day Saints version of Judaism. And Judaism, the intrinsic origin form of creating a second mind, is what Lumen created with Zettelkasten. And so, after Arends, when I was reading his book, outlined Lumen's system in the Gospel of Notes, according to Arends, he says that's, well... He summarized it by saying that that's it. That's all the system is. But actually, the system is even simpler than this. Because as we know, quote, we have, we now have software that makes it much easier to build your own Zettelkasten, thereby basically eliminating all of the potential that a reader could actually stumble into the benefits of, well, he's eliminated that. And Arens continues that, quote, we don't need to manually add numbers on notes or cut out paper as Lumen had to. 
And he says that in his book on page 20. And then in the section of Arenz's book detailing that basically here's everything that you need to have in order to build a Zettelkasten, he outlines four tools needed to build a publication machine, an anti-net. And by the way, I use anti-net and Zettelkasten interchangeably. And the reason is because anti-net is a more truer version and representation of Nicholas Lumen's uh, system. And Zettelkasten has been bastardized and sodomized and plagiarized by digital workflow warriors and hotkey homies and, well, text editing junkies that have transformed Zettelkasten into something which it is not. So, anyway, Arens details that the four things that you need to create a anti-net is, number one, something to write with and write on. Number two, a reference management system, a.k.a. a bibliography. Number three, a slip box, which is another term for note card box. And the reason it's called a slip box is because in Europe, their paper standards are not four by six note cards, but roughly four by six slips of A6 paper. So they don't call them notes, they call them slips, like slip slip of paper. And then four, the fourth thing you need is an editor, like software editor for writing and publishing. Now, he concludes that more is unnecessary, yet less is impossible. Quote. But here's where he's wrong. You see, actually, less is possible, and ironically, it is also more. Not only that, it is necessary. It is necessary in order for you to build a second mind. So he claims that more than four tools is unnecessary and less is impossible, but that's false. You see, all you need to get started is a pen and note cards. Now that's the physical items you need. The most important item you need and I know this sounds trite and cheesy, but you need willpower and you need attitude that you will never, ever, ever give in and that you will keep going. Because Zettelkasten and Antinet and writing and thinking takes a large amount of brain energy and it takes a lot of commitment. It takes time. So, bottom line, on the physical items, you don't need four things. And the thing that RNs classifies as his first item is something to write with and something to write on. So, using his, well, categorization method, the only thing physically that you need to start a, an anti-net 
is one thing. It's just something that you can write with and write on. And so I guess I'll consider that one thing. Maybe two. Pen and paper. That's the bottom line. You also need attitude and you also need knowledge. So tomorrow I'm going to get into the a little bit more in depth of why I actually even have a bibliography that is digital in the first place. And it may surprise you. In fact, I know it will surprise you. I know it will surprise you to know this. When you learn what caused me to create a digital bibliography, you will immediately understand why. And my friend, that's it for today's episode. I'll share more with you tomorrow and we'll continue going down this rabbit hole into the world of creating genius level work and building your own anti-net to do it. So that is it today, but I must first advise you as always to always remember to stay crispy, my friend, and know that Scott Shepper will be here for you tomorrow. And he is currently signing off on a Monday at 718 Post Meridium from Little Italy, San Diego. Peace and see you tomorrow. Hey, real quick. This podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, frickin' me, Sir Scott of Shepherd. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do, all right? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds right now, pull to the side of the road, even if you're on the frickin' freeway, and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement. I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love, writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools, while also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe, a tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others in achieving this mission. Peace.